Welcome to another episode of the Green Minds podcast. My name is Claudia and today I am honored to welcome Cyril Klepek. Cyril is the CEO and founder at Circle, an international technology and consulting company specializing in circular waste management by providing the largest recycling platform in Europe and unique circular waste can. Cyril has long been focused on meaningful innovations, especially in the circular economy area. He received awards for global digital disruption by Globend and was selected among top innovators in Czech Republic for year 2020. He stood behind three publications, Circular Czech Republic 1, 2 and 3. Previously, Cyril worked as an innovation leader in the direct people leading Czech innovation agency and before as a manager responsible for the corporate part of innovation and Raiffeisen Bank, where he co-founded Raiffeisen Advisory. He's a graduate of the University of Economics Prague, where he continued his doctoral studies. Welcome to the Green Minds podcast, Cyril. Hi, Claudia. Thank you very much for having me. Great to be here. So Circle uh, is an international technology and consulting company, as I mentioned. You specialize in circular waste management. Just some statistics, because it's quite impressive what you achieved. So in 2022, Circle experienced a 273% annual growth in revenues, grew to 70 people, and was listed in COP27 among the top 40 climate tech startups in the EU to watch. So congratulations on, on all of that. It's really impressive. So could you please give us a bit more detail on what this circle does and what impact it has on the economy? Thank you very much. Even more, actually, I value that actually another 8,000 companies joined joined Circle last year. So together, like more than actually 18,000 companies using that. And we actually helped to save 1.6 million tons of CO2 last year. So that's actually even more than the average we are having for me. Yeah, but go to Circle. So Circle basically is a reaction. It's a it's a marketplace. It's a it's a marketplace and, uh, and also a consulting solution. So basically, what we do in a team of 70 that we actually provide a B2B platform when actually we connect waste producers and recycling companies with actually waste management companies and with recycling companies. So we help special manufacturing companies, you know, retail companies, logistic companies to get most of their materials by actually finding the best possible recycling option. And we also help source green source basically for manufacturing companies. So we can mention, you know, IKEA buying, you know, crazy amount of, of, of materials for producing manufacturing out of it. And, and doing this, we actually try to help companies to understand first, what is the value of their waste? Because waste is still a material just in the wrong place, you know, in the wrong direction, wrong, wrong time as well, probably. What can we do? What can be done with it? What is the environment context of actually recycling? And also how that actually it's quite easy or much easier than many companies think to actually source green materials. So like, you know, green plastics, green metals and so on. And, and that actually it's also very often cheaper than the, than the raw materials. So it's at least affordable. So yeah, that's, that's what we do. Amazing. Thanks for the overview. And if I can ask like a more personal question, so what led you to to find Circle to launch this startup? To you know, I mentioned in your in your bio that you've been on the kind of side of innovation for a chunk of your career. But how has your previous experience led you to to finding some green tech startup, if I can say so? Yeah, good question. So basically, I I started out right after school, you know, graduating, doing my PhD in economics, and I just randomly happened to run innovation, one of the biggest bank here. I never actually liked banking much. That's actually why I'm thinking like it's a good good way, a good good area for disruption. And actually, there I met actually uh, a colleague from Rabobank, which is a Dutch bank. And at the time, at 2016, 17, I actually met it also a topic through them, a topic of circular economy. 
and it hit me you know really hard and you know, the, the the topic was still like you know starting at the time 2015 started to be you know a topic in, in brussels and i said like oh my god this is my guy like this is so much important and also it has a very strong business case because i always wanted to have you know a positive impact in the world but i never actually realized i can do do it actually through running a business and so I, I, I went to a leading innovation agency here with actually already this topic in my in my pocket and said like, all right, let's do innovations, let's do actually meaningful innovations of innovations in the field of circular economy. Because the you know the meaning good innovations are usually having like a three circles being you know connected. One, it's something that there's a strong need for that for actually consumers. The second circle is that is a technology viable, it's actually doable. And third circle is that actually it, it can also provide some 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 business case. And but if you are in the middle of those three circles, that actually you know it's quite a good business. But actually, I also added the fourth circle, and it's actually also the environmental circle. So actually, and right in the middle was something I call like a black hole, and it was a waste management market. And I just realized that in many projects for IBM, L'Oreal, Scott Outwest. I was all the time like hitting a black hole called waste management market. It was like, oh my God, what, what's happening there? So I was digger, you know, digging deeper and deeper into that, meeting like so many, so many insiders, learning a lot about the industry. And I just came to conclusion that we need to that we need to, to disrupt the, the waste management market. That actually, the the fundamentals of the waste management market actually are based on the information asymmetry. When actually one company pretty much know the value of the materials, the second absolutely not. And actually they are having very nice margin on that. And it's not good for the, you know, happy ending for materials. So because especially in the eastern part of Europe, southern part of Europe, in Asia, America, it very often ends up in landfills or in western part of Europe and north part of Europe being incinerated. So we cannot move forward into circular economy if you will not actually fundamentally change the system we handle with materials, the system of waste management. Yeah, I really like how you incorporated your kind of economics degree with information asymmetry and all these things. I, I see the resemblance there. And more of like a business question, how has your experience been with starting a company in the Central and Eastern European region? So I, I didn't say this, but we're present in, in I think, 11 markets now, or 10, 11 markets around, around Europe. So you've expanded significantly, but you started it out of Prague, right? So how has this been from your experience? I mean, be it from financing perspective, the whole like business environment and tell us a bit more about that. Yeah. So I think, you know, I, I see, I consider myself, you know, being a uh, Prague born and then European and then actually a Czech. And, and actually, I think in, in Europe is a, is a great place to start a green check. And I think it's a great advantage of Europe still, even though Joe Biden is putting a lot of cash into all the green activities in the US. And if you have something, then there is a strong need for it. it doesn't matter whether you start in, I don't know, wherever in Europe. So basically, well, it's really important to have a very strong need for your product, for your service. And then actually in our digital time, it's, it's, it doesn't matter where you start. We started, you know, fully in all in January 2020 after one year of pilot time. And of course, two months after that, COVID hit, you know, quite quite dramatically, right? So it actually all transfer into a more like a digital solutions, which kind of like a help us at the time and put even less importance where actually we are, you know, located physically. 
Nevertheless, of course, we expanded very rapidly into many countries because it's still a relationship business. It's a B2B business. You need to actually meet people sometimes, shake hands, gain, gain their trust. You know, we are now having very nice cooperation with IKEA, Saint Gobain, you know, many big brands. And we are basically their guides on the, on the journey of material efficiency. Not because we are selling them one tool, one technology, but because, you know, we are helping them in so many areas. And that's the, the, the trust also has to be gained very often through some, you know, workshop meetings. So I think Prague is a wonderful place to start a business because it's a wonderful place to live in. And there's a many great people and many great experts, especially in topic of marketplaces and many more actually, especially e-commerce business. So that actually helped a lot also to actually get a lot of great people. Nevertheless, the the big the, the most of the business nowadays is actually already coming from the from the German-speaking countries, France, Italy, and also actually okay, and, and, and Czech Republic. So it's not just those countries; it's actually very nice that very nicely distributed across the whole Europe nowadays. Yeah, I will ask a bit more about the different countries, how you see that in a bit, but I still want to stay with the product for a bit. So you mentioned IKEA, Siemens, Skoda Auto being among your clients. Those are quite great names. And these are from different types of industries, though. So I assume they also produce different types of waste. But would you say based on kind of what the history of Circle, is there a certain industry that requires this platform most, be it because they have the most waste or they are the most proactive? Hmm. So when we started in a pilot 2019, we actually took two industries, two materials chains to start with. Like construction materials, because there's still you know, 50% of the waste around us, very important from the CO2 point of view. And we took also a plastic. And in the first year, you know, plastic was skyrocketing, you know, like it was very easy to trade, very easy to, to find someone to recycle, very easy to find someone to manufacture out of it. And construction materials, there was just, you know, it was very weak, actually, very weak. And so we, you know, we worked a lot in, in the plastic for one first year. Then actually the metals joined it, then actually the paper. And 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 actually in just last year, we can see a massive shift also in construction materials because the construction companies are really lacking basic materials like sand. And their basic necessity forced them to go for a solution. So I would say... That actually construction business, so companies like Dulsan Gobain and, and Skanska and, and CPI or, or the developers are a little bit, you know, lacking behind. Nevertheless, they even more pushing now because they are really, really in need for actually a circular economy. And honestly, it's not that much driven by sustainability, but it's really driven by, by really the basic needs to have cheap materials to, to produce. And they finally now starting to understand so that if they actually go to brownfield and they would love to build something new there, it probably makes sense to also look, you know, what is the material? What is the material in the next, next wallet, the next to them? Is it something you can use, actually, right? It's much more local market than actually the, the, the plastic market, for example. But it's very interesting now, now trend. But in general, I would say, of course, manufacturing companies, companies like Zeman, companies like I mentioned IKEA, Skoda Auto, really big, 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 big brands. So automotive, I mentioned a bit. Of course, retail companies like like Lee Rossman, DM, those are also for a long time our, our clients as well. And of course, heavy industry also because because they there's a massive opportunities for for basically a cooperation between the industries. So that's 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 really interesting as well. So manufacturing, retail, logistic, automotive in general, and, and heavy industries, those are the leaders, I would say, among our clients.
No, great example also with manufacture with construction that you mentioned because also you know there is this debate also in the media which you find like rising cost of materials supply chain management will be the topic of 2023 so definitely solutions like circle are are there to help and this leads me to one aspect of your platform which is basically providing mark estimated market prices for different materials which mm -hmm. is excellent because you bring this transparency to the market although so you publish some on your website but then a company can come and then kind of submit a form of what materials they have and get the estimated price for materials. So what add you to add this element to Circle? Yeah, basically in Forbes, they label us VR at Tinder for waste. It's basically because the matchmaking is really important, right? No one cares about the technology, about marketplaces. There are even like so many like popping up now, the new marketplace. Well, it's really important to first give information to client. Hey, what do you have in your waste yard? It's actually quite quite valuable, right? Are you aware of that? If you are and you have the best recycling option, then fine. But it's not in 98% the case, honestly. They are having wrong prices, wrong, wrong prices, or they're just having not the best possible waste hierarchy. So that's the first thing. Second, also inspire them actually, but is the potential CO2 context of that? So are you you are recycling that? Fine. But do you know actually that you can so maybe also reuse it some uh, somewhere, or you can actually you can actually get rid of the of the waste because you actually improve your manufacturing process, right? And every part of this has a different CO two multiple. So you also help them actually to understand roughly what is the CO two multiple here. So if you recycle one kilo of polypropylene in Bavaria, it's actually two point five kilo of of CO two, right? It helps you to understand okay, recycling is good, but how how good is that? And yeah, so first inspire them, help them actually to understand that there is a quite an easy chance to find also someone else. It's also the massive change that happened in the market because previously there used to be like a five years contract between the waste producer and, and waste management company, and they didn't have much information what, what's actually happening there, right? Nowadays. The, the situation completely has changed because of the legislation, because the push for prices, because the competition, you know, leg legislation, so many things. And so they are now actually on a monthly basis or quarterly basis looking for the best possible options very often. And we need to also inspire them, hey, it's actually easy to opt out from your partner or you can actually keep him but with better conditions. And then actually the technology plays its role. So they upload the material and we actually check many information about the material, you know, the quality information, the quantity information, the GPS location, waste codes, so many. And then we actually, every morning, we run a machine learning algorithm in our system that actually specifically for you as a recycling company, waste management company, recommend you top 10 offers that might be interesting for you based on your past consumer behavior in the marketplace, based on your you know, licenses, which take, which waste codes you can actually take over and, and GPS location, so many actually are other parameters. And this smart matchmaking is actually helping us to connect most of the offers nowadays. And that's the connection. And then actually you need to also help them sometimes with logistics or, you know, samplings, you know, and, and, and so on. So actually that, that's how it, how it works. Yeah. I love the, the Tinder for, for, how did you say Tinder for waste management? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, lo lo love that, love that analogy. That's that's really that's really good. So now I'd like to move on to a bit to like kind of the bigger picture of circular economy because we we now know what circle does, what what your role is, which is obviously huge. Also, can be gauged by the fact how much CO two you've already saved. But I just want to kind of give a bit of background on how we ended up here. So for a lot of years, you know, the, as the population grew, we've kind of 
been in this linear economy, which is like we take it, we make it and we waste it. So we throw it away. And I just have some statistics which are crazy. So because the population doubled over the past 50 years, material extraction, so how much we actually source from the earth has more than tripled. And and now it's reached 100 billion tons around, even more probably. So that's crazy. But the new circular report shows that the global economy is only 7.2% circular. So they, they have some kind of a me methodology to measure that. So basically how many of the materials that go into production are secondarily sourced. The rest is kind of virgin material. So this is down from about 9% in 2018. So there is actually a downward trend in how circular the globe is. So what is your perspective on the role of circular economy in the green transition? You know, we need to go to net zero by 2050. And usually people talk about emissions, emissions, emissions and circular economy tends to be, it's somewhere in there in the puzzle, but not there. So what, how do you see the role of, of circular economy? Yeah, well, circular economy is my is my big passion. At, at the same time, it's not a religion, right? Uh, circular economy is a, is a tool, and I think it's absolutely crucial tool for all of us. At the same time, there's no a very strong lobby behind circular economy. So if we talk about sustainability, we can very often like uh, you know have fantastic speakers on the topic of you know solar panels and 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 you know how we can actually get energy of the wind and and you know so many like super cool things how EV vehicles will save the world. Nevertheless, very often I, I believe actually the, the truth is much more simpler. And, and it's really interesting to look back maybe. You mentioned population growth. That's definitely one of the factors. I believe even the bigger factor is actually the, the consumption growth we are having. So since the, the 1950s, we implemented like so many innovations, consumer products, and the whole economy was growing that massively that we just started consuming a lot. A lot. And since those 1950s, we just were you know, kind of like leaving something we had here for many, many years, basically all the time. And that's actually that we were always looking for the materials as something we can actually use. So actually, circular economy was something which is very nature to us. And sometimes I even thinking like we should actually abandon the topic of circular economy and the name actually circular economy and just say like, that's the, just the normal thing, right? Because if it's, if, especially if you go to, I don't know, the Asians country somewhere else, they are saying like, you know, this like a Western concept of circular economy. What is it actually? We are using it for like a centuries here. And they're actually right. So actually it's something very nature. We just actually are now having a stupid detour in our material consumption because the materials were cheap, because we were, you know, in, in a crazy need of buying so many things. And it's fine. We are now actually need to come back to something that actually means to say, all right, our GDP cannot grow only because we use more materials. We need to actually move more into a, a digital economy. We need to move actually more into a product as a service. We need to actually manufacture more like a durable product. So actually, in the end, we use less raw materials. And we and we actually, this, this crazy data you show, and actually we are circular only 7.2%. We we actually, you know, keep growing this, this number of, of circularity and actually decrease the overall amount of raw materials we are extracting, right? And how, how to get there, right? We cannot actually say one thing for all the countries because the countries are in different stages of development, right? So I believe actually that there are a couple of stages, maybe like three, four, I think us in the Western world, that is a definitely now a good sign that actually the growth of the GDP is finally not being entirely attached to a material consumption. It was a very nice article in The Economist, I think a couple of months back, when in the US, for the very first time, 
the economic growth in the past, I think, couple of years was actually was, was actually growing and the material consumption was stable. So that actually shows that it can be done. It can be done that actually the material consumption can stay and we can even even though it can actually increase the, our GDP, which is very interesting discussion, by the way, because there's also a massive like a you know degrowth movement and it's also one of the options, right? Maybe, maybe, you know, we, I think we need to discuss everything. But if there is a chance to, to grow, if there is a chance that actually people can, you know, be raised from poverty, especially in poor countries, they can consume and still we can actually keep the same level of materials, they will be, they will be of course, fantastic way because we cannot go into African and Asian countries, which some of them are still quite poor and say them like, hey, you know, guys, you cannot buy this, this car, you know, for your like big family. You cannot actually buy this washing machine. Sorry, no, you, should, you know, there's a earth overshoot day, you know, and, and you can't do it, right? I mean, is it is it morally right? I don't know, maybe, maybe not, right? So I think we need to distinguish actually which, which actually stage of the development the countries are. In our stage, in the Western part of Europe, in US, I think we should definitely dematerialize us as, as much as possible because we are, you know, our earth overshoot is is much higher than we can actually afford. That's probably not the case for like a middle income countries. It's definitely not the case for a very low income income country. So I think the strategy is supposed to be different. Nevertheless, I believe the circular economy is supposed to play a very significant role in our run to actually decrease these 52 gigatons of CO2 we, we send to the air every single year. And by the way, if you just double the amount of CO2, and there will actually be that much of CO2 saved, that actually we are on a trajectory of 1.5 Celsius degree of the global warming. So it is very important, but there's no actually one you know, one one line of, of, of recommendation to go for it. It's like hundreds and thousands of things together we need to do. No, I agree. It's just more that also in, in, you know, the degree that I'm studying, like climate science, climate change, it's still a bit, that's why also I I wanted to invite you and have this talk to you because this, this whole topic about material footprint versus carbon footprint is a bit more in the background. As you also said, there is no real lobby for it or and, and, and this, but I just want to like ask a follow-up question about this, um, let's say, unsustainable consumption. So you said that kind of we cut ourselves here, which is true. And it's also connected to consumerism and like the more wealth people have, the more they consume. But you are a B2B platform. So what? how do you see this kind of business versus individual responsibility? Do, do you have a strong opinion on who is responsible and who should make more effort or how, how do you see this? Oh yeah, I have a very strong opinion on that. <laughs> I think companies are a bit blamed to it. Nevertheless, companies are also us, right? People, and of course, also consumers are very important opinion leaders on that. Nevertheless, there is a one lie that's actually been circulating in the in the society for like uh, almost 40 years, right? You know, <laughs> to mention maybe one company which is fueling this lie a bit is a Coca-Cola company that actually all the time say like. You know, you recycle. You please help us recycle, right? You please, you know, help us that actually we can move forward the circular economy. There are billboards across the whole USA for tens of years, right? So they basically are taking this problem and saying like, you guys are voting with your wallet. So you know, help us actually to recycle. It's not. It's not true. I mean, like, of course, we consumers are buying the stuff in the end, right? And and me personally, I'm trying to do as much as possible to actually not buy new stuff to, to really live in a circular way. By the way, it's also very enriching in a personal level because 
the, 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 the less stuff you have around you, the more time you have for a very important thing, which is our, you know, people around you, you know, experiences, you know, go to opera, go to, I don't know, do something cool outside in, in mountains, you know, hiking, surfing, you know. So it's not just materials which actually bring us a joy, right? Nevertheless, what is really important to say that actually we, should, we need to change the system, right? So actually we need actually three three areas uh, to to influence a lot. First, it's the governance, right? So many things actually rely heavily on the architecture of choice. So basically, if there is a if there is a if there are two products and they pay actually the same tax, and one of them is having such a big negative externally because they, you know, you know, many negative things behind that, and they pay the same price. Actually, it's not it's not right, right? So we need to actually internalize the negative externalities by actually creating a system. So the CO2 taxation is a is a I think right tool, and I'm happy that we are moving forward a bit here in Europe with that. And I think we need to be even faster on that, and we actually need to scale it globally. So that's really important. Change the architecture of choice. So we actually not running hundreds of thousands of small legislations, but we in general like say like all right, you know, the CO2 has a cost, and you need to actually incorporate the cost in the price of your product. Secondly, our and there are many more things in the governance area, and actually government are governments are really important in that. And 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 for that we also need to sometimes you know reform even them because they are not fast enough, they are not professional enough in so many areas to be able to cope with the challenge that is actually ahead of us. So I'm grateful for every single professional with going into politics because it's really important area we need to actually digitalize the governments we need to be much more efficient fast second are actually the private companies business i mean just look at the data i know just the data from czech republic there's a 38 million tons of of, of of waste being created every single year and basically 90 percent out of it like 35 million are actually coming out of the industry so it's basically post-industrial post-industrial waste so it's it's fantastic that we are you know sorting out things you know and um, try to limit my my waste as much as possible. Nevertheless, it's really important to focus on what is really important, and it's not sometimes the single-use plastics as we talked a couple of years ago, these straws you know and those small things. They actually you know we now actually know it, it was kind of like a funny thing, funny discussion, but it's very dangerous because if we are talking about those small things, those small material streams. Our, you know, capacity is full, and we don't have the time and capacity to talk about big things. You know, like like a cement industry, right? Like construction industry in general, like like how we can actually, you know, come up with a, with a green steel, right? You know, ammonium, like ammonium, also like uh, an agriculture, also very important, right? So we need to see data. We need to see actually where are the biggest problems we are having, and focus on those. And businesses are very, very important to, to, to start with. And in the end, are of course, as consumers, and we should, of course, vote with our wallet, but it's not it's not just enough. Uh, but I'm, I'm actually re really happy to see that actually more and more, especially young people, start realizing that actually it's not about, you know, hoarding materials and, and products around us. Actually, it's starting to be more like an experience economy, you know, have some, you know, something, not just, not just buying stuff. And I think the combination of, of push in all, all these three areas. That's that's the way to go. Yeah, no, the important thing you mentioned is also governance. And I was going to ask you about this because there are these different countries are doing different things, as you mentioned. I mean, the EU has the like circular economy action plan as part of the Green Deal. 
Then there's this concept of the donut economy, donut economy, which is implemented in cities like Amsterdam, for example. China has some plans and Japan as well, and like I'm sure other, many other countries. But so do you think that, I mean, this is enough, this regulatory push that is being going around in the world is my first question. And my second kind of connected to is, is like different countries have different challenges, as you mentioned, right? Be it in the developed world versus developing. So how do you see that kind of reflected in circles work but also the interplay between that and the regulation mm. some countries may need more push from that side fantastic question i think we need to do more in all the countries nevertheless we also need to accept actually that other countries are very much different you mentioned japan for example japan is already actually very well aware that actually you know every single material you know getting from from china is actually you know quite 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 risky. So they're already trying to do a lot of things. But if you compare Japan and USA, the situations are completely different, right? And actually Germany also in compared to, to, I don't know, Switzerland. So basically I think the, every economy has its in our its own difficulties, its own strategy to, to actually implement. Because some of the companies, some of the countries are very much industrialized. So we can talk about Germany to the public. Those are heavily industrialized economies. And actually there's many things that are, are very, very important to change, especially in the manufacturing industry. In compared to that, there are also agriculture countries. Agriculture is also, by the way, very important area to, to, to change and improve. And yeah, so I think we need to respect the, the difference between the countries. And from my point of view, also, it's very easy to implement some of the high, high level strategy. But what is really important is to have in very concrete action steps, especially in the midterm, which is sometimes lacking. So everyone you know, likes to have a PR conference and say like, you know, we plan to be, you know, CO2 neutral in this, in this time and so on. But what we will do next year, what we will do in five years time. Those are always my my questions. Thanks for sharing this perspective. And what about what about kind of the the different challenges and opportunities that you encounter in different countries, right? So as circle, you mentioned already Germany. So I guess that one of the challenges that they're more kind of industrial waste and and stuff like this but do you see that some region there's like there was so much demand for your platform that it like skyrocketed was there something like surprising or, or like a big lesson learned from your expansion somewhere like maybe maybe we have some listeners from i don't know some country and they're like oh i didn't even know that we had such problems so do you have an example such that yeah, their region I, I like a lot. They are growing beautifully. For example, Italy is doing a lot because they really see a circular economy and, and green basically revolution as a as a as a very nice potential growing aspect for their economy. So Italy is really doing a lot in this area. Of course, there are countries who adopted circular economy already some time ago and they are actually doing a lot, like in the Netherlands. And yeah, so and also it's also very local sometimes, circular economy, right? So we cannot talk about Germany, we need to talk about a rural area or Bavaria or the Berlin area. So every area is really different and that's that's challenging and, and beautiful at the same time. Mm. So we're moving on out towards the end, but I'd like to like section the next two sections into like a more business perspective and an individual perspective. So I'm interested in a couple things from the business perspective. The first thing is that you mentioned that kind of when a company is deciding on what to do with waste, they usually have this contractor like a waste waste management company and they pay for it to either go to landfill or, or be incinerated, right? Or maybe you can just give me a bit brief overview of that. but. You mentioned that you motivate companies or you talk to them and you, you have discussions, you do circular waste scans for them to help them use circle or, or move more towards recycling and reuse. How do you how do you persuade them? How do you motivate them? How is this process? Yeah. 
So the positive motivation and we inspire them and we give them information that actually there's something which is better than they are having right now. And there are many tools for that. We run many events, we run many webinars, we share news about legislation. I recommend to go to circle.com and see the magazine area. We meet with them and we in general like helping them to make this shift because especially all the manufacturing companies, all the companies handling with the materials, they are already being forced to manage materials much better, but they very often don't know what to do. So even big manufacturing companies are still relying on offsets, even though it's you know not actually you know that that's that's well perceived anymore. So inspiration, you know, com comparison to their industry partners is also helping a lot. So if there is a client and he he quite easy materials and it's quite straightforward, they can go directly to marketplace. It can be even for for free. They just you know find a better partners. They might get some help, which is a paid service, but actually it can be also for free completely. If it's a little bit more complicated company, like a mid-sized and larger company, they also very often opting out for a little bit more consulting services in the beginning. So we run the circle waste can for them which works actually we get all the data from them. We crunch the data in our systems and we now know how database, we just see what are the best possible options for this given material. Of course, we also need to see the context on the spot of the, of the client plant and just go there and just, you know, see how, what is the, what is the, what is the way, how they store the materials and such. And then we find the best possible use for all materials. Sometimes it just be, they change the manufacturing process, so actually they get rid of they get rid of the waste completely. Sometimes that there's a closed loop recycling inside the company. Sometimes it's a better recycling options, and then so many ways. And for every single waste code, every single waste material, we also calculate very concrete CO2 savings and very concrete financial savings. So in the end, like a McKinsey-style looking presentation. They basically receive a handbook what to do with the materials and actually know that they will save 1 million euro per year by actually doing those concrete things. And then we actually help them to, to execute those things. And Circle Bank basically is being paid out of the savings mostly. So basically it's a it's a win-win for, for both of the of the of the companies. Then we also, of course, very often moving into way because we're not just helping them inside of the plant with material efficiency, not just with outside of the waste, but also very often with the inflow. And that's that's a really massive trend for the past year, I would say. That's the green sourcing. So more and more companies are actually approaching us and saying, all right, so you are already helping us in many areas. Could you actually help us also to source green materials so we can actually manufacture out of it? And we, since we have database, all the recycling companies, all the, all the producers, we can reach out the market and deliver on a monthly basis, whatever amount of high quality material so they can actually manufacture out of it. So always depends what is the need of the client. Sometimes they're just also having I don't know, just one small promotic material, but very often it's about overall waste management and also sourcing of the materials. I also encourage everyone to go to circle.com and you know, to the solutions page because there's a lot of examples on different mm. industries and how much the average annual savings is. And it's super impressive. Like for manufacturing a business, big business, as you mentioned, can save up to 1.5 million euros or 1.3. So it's it's crazy what potential there is also financially. One more question about businesses. Maybe this is not something you work with directly, but you've probably heard, heard about this. So kind of the end goal would be that companies 
become circular, right? Individuals, companies, and then the world becomes like circular in a way. And there have been examples of different business models, companies changing their business model. You mentioned product as a service or some kind of subscription model. So do you have like a favorite example of some kind of company who introduced a product or some kind of product line or something like this? For, for example, what I know of is like a Scandinavian company who produces jeans, but they they do it for some kind of rental or they fix it for you so you don't waste it. So do you have some kind of example of your own? Yeah, yeah. But actually, something I did before I, I started Circle with actually many, 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 many companies. I like actually personally Philips. Philips, they said already in the 90s that they would love to have actually a green, green portfolio of their products. And what they basically do today are manufacturing products, which are higher circles. Basically, they're having service, for example, it's called Paper Looks. And they basically rent you one hour of light. And basically all the lightings, all the things, all the cables, that's the property of Philips. Everything is designed in a modular way. So if you actually having trouble somewhere, there's just a serviceman coming to your place. They will just basically exchange to one place and they will just refurbish it somewhere somewhere with their partners behind the corner. That's very nice. That's very nice actually because it motivates both parties to use materials in the best possible way. What is of course very often question is like, can this be done in also in more like a sophisticated products? The answer is yes, because the Philips is also doing something similar with, with actually healthcare machines, like the resonance machines in hospitals. And basically, there's a huge skelet of, of the whole tool. And basically, what they do, they are updating the software inside and all the things inside, which is just less than 1% of all the materials. So actually, the whole product is better, not worse, as we are, for example, having sometimes with our mobile phones. With every update, the, mm. your phone is actually getting worse and worse. So, and again, they are charging actually per, per I think, usage or, or actually our... Of, of using this tool. And this is absolutely fantastic way because the overall consumption of materials is actually less and less. You can also mention Rolls-Royce. They are they are having Rolls-Royce is having the, the engines in the in the in their airplanes actually as as their property. So every basically they are also repairing those engines. So if you fly from Amsterdam to, to New York and you you take a flight of I don't know some some Boeing or Airbus Actually, it's not the engine is not the property of the of the company. It's actually still a Rolls Royce very often property. So basically, keep evolving that. We keep you know taking care of, of the materials, and they're actually running this for for decades already. So this is a fantastic way to go. Nevertheless, from my experience, it's really hard to implement it because in this way, it's about you need to change a company, like the whole company, because you need to change first design, right? You also need to restructure your company. So probably you. If you are, you know, having this kind of business, you probably need less salespeople, more like, you know, customer care people. You need to actually start, you know, refurbishing materials, right? So it's a quite a messy change. And not all the CEOs actually see, you know, probably behind the corner that far away. And even though they see, it's also a question about the motiv motivations, right? Because very often they just need to deliver very good quarter results or annual results. And the question is if those if the stock owners are interested in five years revenues or ten years revenues. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's a it's a fantastic way to go. Uh, I, I think we will be forced to go this way as well. Nevertheless, complete company structure is very often actually needed, and that that makes it much slower than other advice companies would would be happy to. Yeah, I I assume also there is the big thing is about like planning it in a way with a business model chain in general, but this is more like a theory based. What I'm saying to so that it makes sense financially. It's just like. 
finding a model, business model where you have like recurring revenue instead of one-time purchase and all these things. I mean, there's a theory for that. Yeah, it's also a practice. It makes sense. The only thing is it takes some years to get there. Mm. Basically, if you shift the model, you probably in first two, three years, you will be in negative, you will be in red numbers, you'll be bleeding, right? And then actually in five years time, it will be fantastic business. But the question is, are CEOs and you know, big companies willing to sacrifice, you know, three years to actually get somewhere with more sustainable future, better revenues in, in five years time? Yeah, no, this is, this is a big topic. But one other big topic is actually like consumer behavior and individual perspective in all of this. Because, you know, companies have certain motivations. Companies are motivated by money and like what makes sense financially and consumers majority still probably is like, what do I own? We live in this like ownership economy, you know, in Central Europe, owning a car shows that you have status and all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned this overshoot, overshoot day. So the, the Earth overshoot day is basically the day when humanity has used all the biological resources Earth can regenerate through an entire year. And it has been moving up in the year every year. So basically last year was July 28th. So do you think initiatives like this, like having this overshoot day, help circular economy be more in the in the in the foreground, more tangible, making it more tangible for consumers? Or what, what do you think is the best kind of in incentive or what would help the consumers most? Would it was it regulation having a higher price on the less sustainable product? Or what do you think it helps? Mm-hmm. I think those initi- initiatives are very important. They very often sometimes, you know, simplify things, but it's really needed, right? Because as a, as a, as a consumer, you go to shop, you buy, I don't know, 60 items. It's very, very important for you to have simple rules, how to actually, how to, how to behave, how, how to actually make make your decision, some kind of like heuristics. So all these activities are very important because they increase the, burn awareness, the, the awareness of the topic. Uh, and then actually they, they they can also help consumers to make a, a decision, right? So it's, it's, I think it's absolutely, absolutely crucial. And we should, and you know, even the CO2 equivalent is, is massive simplification, right? Nevertheless, at least this is something the companies understand and they can actually move in the right direction, even though, of course, it's massive simplification and there is many things behind which are, you know, at least the same important, even probably more like, you know, biodiversity and, 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 and so many more. So, yeah, this this communication will probably not save us all, but it's very important to actually start a movement. And now I think we are in the phase where actually most of the people already know that there is such a thing as a you know global change of the climate. There is such a thing as the tools, as a circular economy and so on. What we need now actually are more like action steps. So actually what we need now is that, all right, so this is not the right direction, but actually those might be the right directions, right? And and see, and have more like a, also a database decisions behind that. But very often we say like, all right, we just, you know, not will allow you to buy this single use plastic. So, and then just everyone is just, you know, crazily started, you know, looking for a different solutions, which very often are blind ways, like biodegradable, you know, biodegradable materials, which are in the end not biodegradable at all. So yeah, I think we need to understand that this transition will takes time. We need to see big data. I mean, you see actually, you know, we need to decide where is the most important to start. And basically we need to have all three. We need businesses to act and their actions are supposed to be in actually not saving the world. Business here is not to save the world. 
business here is to make money, right? That, that's, that's a true, right? Naked true. <laughs> but what they need to do is to have the least negative impact on society and environment as possible, right? That's the way. So I don't want to actually have companies to, to do offset. I mean, like I can do offset by myself. I want those companies to actually change their manufacturing process, to actually build durable products, to change the business models, right? That's actually the way to go. That's a great way to think about it. So my almost the last question is, you mentioned some things that you do in your life, but if you could um, say to our listeners one thing that they can change in their life today, tomorrow, to be more, let's call it circular in this way, but to implement one change, what would you, what would you advise them? Yeah, I think, you know, I'm, I'm living in downtown of Prague. It's a small apartment with my family. We are having one car for actually two companies we are sharing. And I'm really, you know, enjoying most of my time with actually doing, you know, meeting people, you know, going for, for concerts, you know, having experiences, you know, taking a lot of time in nature. And actually, I just realized actually, Living this life is actually much, much less thing that, I, I, that most of my friends actually are having is actually a great way because then you actually, you are much more freer because you are not attached to that many things. So just my personal way, I'm not actually forcing anyone to, to, to go for it. I'm also sometimes buying stuff, of course, but it's actually something I'm enjoying really a lot. So, and I see actually that more and more people are going this way. Great. No, that's inspiring. And one last question is about many of the listeners of this podcast will want to pursue a career in climate change tackling one aspect of it or another. So what would you advise these people from your experience? You know, you studied economics, then you kind of ended up here with doing something with economics, but still climate change related. So what, what would you what would you say to these people? I mean, you know, this is a massive challenge ahead of us, right? And I think it's not time to cry in the corner. It's time to really, you know, do something. And there is hundreds of hundreds of possibilities to do things, right? In agriculture, in, in circular economy, and like so many areas. And it's, a, it's actually fascinating, right? Because 20 years ago, it was cool to go for banking. 10 years ago, it was cool to go for consulting. Now it's cool to go for green tech and do something really meaningful in the world. And that's actually something that, you know, gives you a lot of joy. So it's tough. It's very complicated. At the same time, it's really rewarding to see some of the, some of the, all the results you can actually achieve. It's a, it's a massive challenge and opportunity. And I highly recommend to actually go and start a green tech company of yours, right? There is enough money, honestly, to fundraise from VCs. There is enough of the interest of the companies. Everything is really now starting. Nothing is already done, right? Everything is really starting still. So it's the time to, to start now. This great word is also what you said, that it's starting now because people think, oh yeah, oh, everything has been done, but not everything has been done and we need to realize this. So thank you very much, Cyril, for coming to Green Minds. Thank you very much for having me.